0: All right. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter two. In our time last Sunday, uh, I went ahead and I read verses seventeen through twenty-four because they 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 came together, if you will, as one long dialogue. It's actually one sentence. At least part half of it is one sentence. But that being said, as you know, we here at Discover like to look at Scripture in a more of an in-depth fashion. So we only made it halfway through those verses. Last week. And so before I actually do my review, as I do every week, uh, I'd like to once again read verses 17 through 24. Paul says, Now you, since, if you have the word if, it really should be the word since, okay? Um, It is assumed to be true in this text. Therefore, it's since is better translated. So he says, Now you, since you call yourself a Jew, since you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, since you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, since you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Verse 21, "'You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? When you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples?' You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So as you can see, where we stopped uh, last week uh, at the end of verse 20 was really a, a good place to stop because the first four verses are really what set us up for the remaining four verses. If all I did this morning was to come in here and, and begin to look at verses 21 through 24, it would not have near the bite to it if it wasn't for the previous verses. Well, before I do a quick review here on verses 17 through 20, um, let me just remind you that the overall message here of these four verses is pride. It is the arrogance, it is the self-righteousness of these first century Jews which actually caused them to have a false sense of spiritual security. Because of everything these Jews possessed, everything that God had blessed them with, they felt that they were right with God. As if God did these things because they deserved it. But as we know, that wasn't the case, was it? He says there in verse 17, he says, Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, or since you call yourself a Jew, since you rely on the law and since you brag about your relationship to God. So beginning here, he, he says they call themselves a Jew. And let me just say that there was a lot of historical value in calling themselves that. Okay? To say that I am a Jew characterizes their, relation, their racial as well as their religious heritage. It separated them, as you know, from every other Gentile under the sun. Remember, folks, there weren't, there weren't 15 different Jewish nations, were there? There was just one. There was one sliver, if you will, of land, the Jews. Every other nation on the planet... Gentiles. See, the problem though was that these Jews took it beyond national pride. National pride is something we all have, but they went way beyond that. They felt that they were actually better than everybody else because we are the Jews. Paul also said here that they relied on the law. Now, unfortunately, That did not mean that they relied on the law as the only holy standard. They didn't rely on the law as the inerrant word of God, the truth about salvation. Sadly, most of these Jews relied on the law as a possession. Okay? Remember, God gave the Jews and only the Jews his law, they alone right remember there weren't all these other jewish nations they alone possessed the word of god but once again there's a problem the problem is that they relied on it as a free pass to glory okay god gave us his law it's our law is kind of the mindset that they had for them once again it's somewhat of a golden ticket we're the jews god gave us the law. It gave them a false sense of spiritual security. And then thirdly, Paul says to them, you brag about your relationship to God. They, the Jews, are God's covenant people. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 is very clear. God declared himself to be their God. Something you've heard me say many times, you go back to Romans chapter 9. He's talking about the people of Israel. He says theirs, they are adopted as sons. Theirs, meaning the Jews, is the divine glory. The covenants, theirs is the receiving of the law, the temple worship, the promises. He says theirs is the patriarchs. From them is traced the human ancestry of Jesus Christ. No question. They're kind of like, yeah, we brag about our relationship with God. But to no surprise, that was it. They 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 felt that was if they bragged as if it was some kind of human achievement. It's kind of like everything else. It it was not a, a basis for boasting, but for gratitude. God is the one who did these things, not themselves. But they boasted instead of were thankful. Being thankful was not something that they were very good at. Well, as Paul went into verse 18, he said, look at there really is, there definitely is an advantage to being a Jew, okay, possessing the law and being God's people. All three of those things that he talked about there in verse 17, Paul says, look it, there is an advantage to that. What does he say there in verse 18? Number one, he says, they know the will of God, Right? Secondly, he says they were able to approve of what is superior. In other words, these Jews were able to discern between right and wrong, between truth and error, between God's truth and man's philosophy. How were they able to do that? Well, Paul tells us right here, because they were instructed in the law. Okay? They were taught, for, as you know, from the early time as they were kids, all the way up until adults, all the way up until they would be going to the synagogues. They would learn the law of God. Now listen, folks, that did not happen in the Gentile nations, did it? Because they didn't have the law. Didn't, it wasn't given to them, but it was given to the Jews. And therefore, with this, this, uh, this aura of arrogance, starting in verse 19, Paul says that they, meaning these Jews, they pictured themselves as a guide for the blind. Well, guess who the blind were? The Gentiles. Everybody he's talking about here are the Gentiles. He says they, were, they felt that they were a guide To the blind Gentiles, he says they were a light while the Gentiles were in darkness. They were an instructor. Why? Because the Gentiles are foolish, meaning they're without intelligence. And then lastly there, the Jews felt that they were teachers over the the Gentiles' infancy, meaning they needed special instruction. And guess what? The Jews said, oh, we are the people to do it? right? We're the Jews. We're God's chosen. We have all this knowledge. We're above them. We're the guide. We're the teacher. We're the instructor. And here's the kicker, folks. This is not hyperbole, okay? Paul's not exaggerating here. This is actually how the Jews would describe themselves. And listen, Paul knew that more than anybody, didn't he? Before Christ, this is exactly what he would do. This is exactly how he would act. So he knows this, like the back of his hand. The problem here, though, is that these Jews, right here, they profess to be a part of the Roman church. Yet they haven't figured it out yet. See? Well, with all of that, everything that we just discussed... That was to set the stage for what he's about to say right now in these next four verses. Are you with me so far? You're with me. All right. I'm going to read once again because it's never a bad thing to read Scripture over. I'm going to read once again verses 21 through 24. After all those things he just said, he now says, You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? Verse 24, As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Have you ever had a friend, have you ever had maybe your spouse or, or a parent come to you? And we kind of mentioned this a little bit this morning in our Bible study. Have you ever had any of these people or somebody else come to you, confront you because of something you said, maybe something you have done because, well, you know better, right? You know, right, from, from wrong. Matter of fact, you yourself are probably wise enough that you could probably be sharing this Thing with somebody else but for some reason you're in this, this current state where you're not applying it to yourself in other words you're kind of a hypocrite okay you can probably yourself share it with your friends maybe at a local bible study you could teach on whatever this issue is yourself but you yourself are not living it out oh, you can can lay it out there, boy, to Bible study. You can preach it, but you're not following it. This is what Paul is doing here, okay? He's not doing this to be a jerk. He's not doing this because he thinks he's better than these Roman Jews. He's doing it for the benefit of the church. He's doing it for the benefit of these individual people, okay? Okay? And I want you to keep this in mind this morning as we go through this text. Why? Because if there's one thing that Christians fail at miserably, it's when a good friend, it's when somebody they know really well from church, a brother and sister in Christ, they come to you and they say, hey, uh, let's talk about something, right? Let's, let's, let's deal with something. And what usually happens You get defensive. You start making excuses. Somebody else's fault. Or worse than that, you throw it back at the other person. Oh, who are you? Holier than thou? Probably one of the biggest problems going on in the church, the church at large, today. Folks, that other person, your friend your brother and sister in Christ has absolutely nothing to gain by coming to you nothing but they have everything to lose starting with your friendship okay but it's because of your pride it's your reaction to want to to want to push back and many times that's sadly just the beginning if you've ever seen this stuff or been involved in this stuff, maybe you admit in your own heart, yeah, I, I've done that myself, unfortunately. And then sometimes you start gossiping. Then maybe you start slandering the other person who simply confronted you because they felt that you were doing some sinful things. They just wanted to help you get things right. Maybe you didn't even notice you were doing it. I encourage you to think of these things as we're going through this text because it's a lot It's very applicable to the church today as well. Now, in verses 21 through 24, there are five questions in actually verses 21 through 23. But based on Paul's statement in verse 24, we already know the answer to every question. And that answer is yes. What is he saying in verse 24? He says, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Right? We know the answer to all those questions based on that alone. Okay? And so the key here is to confront these people's false sense of security, to confront their hypocrisy, and hopefully after reading this letter, what you and I call the book of Romans, Hopefully, there'll be a little bit of self examination. Okay? Therefore, Paul begins verse 21 with these two little words you then. You then. Here's what that means, folks. I'm gonna do this real quick. You then. The ones who call yourself a Jew, the ones who say you rely on the law, you who brag about your relationship to God, you who know His will, you who think that you're a guide for the blind and a light for the darkness, you who say that I am an instructor for the foolish, a teacher of infants. That's what you then means. You then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Now, notice this first question is really one that is to prepare them for the remaining questions, okay? Because those questions are going to deal very specifically with the law, okay? But before he hits them with those questions, knowing that they profess to be grounded in the law, right? We already saw that. They profess to know the will of God, these Jews. They profess to be called teachers, They say that they are instructors to these Gentiles who are less than they are, because we're the Jews. Do you not first teach yourself? What Paul is saying here is before you walk around calling yourself a teacher, thinking that the Gentiles ought to be the ones listening to you, how about making sure that you yourself already have received this truth? Well, you love to instruct others. You love to brag about this relationship with God, and you want to share it with them. Are you yourself even ready to receive this? Right? You want others to know the truth of God, but you, by your own actions, seem to have no regard for your own doctrine. You want others to know what you yourselves do not seem to apply. It's big when you can stand up here and share these things and look good, feel good, I'm important. What you're saying, you don't even apply them to yourself. See, this one statement here is simply Paul um, saying that these people need to do a little soul searching because when they teach the truth, they do it hypocritically. When you teach, do you teach yourself first? They teach, oh yeah, but they do it hypocritically. The psalmist, in Psalm 50, verses 16 through 20, he's speaking here, he's describing the ungodly, the the unfaithful teachers. Listen to what he says. He says, what right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction and you cast my words behind you. In other words, you don't even listen to what I say. What gives you the right to take these things and share them with somebody else? He says, when you see a thief, you join with them. You throw in your lot with the adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and you harness your tongue to deceit. You speak continually against your brother and you slander your own mother's son. But you have this person up there in their suit and tie, if I use today's lingo, and boy, are they preaching it. But look what they're doing behind the scenes. Look how they're living their own lives is what he's getting at. Jumping over to the New Testament, talking about the scribes and Pharisees. You know who they were, right? They were the spiritual leaders of the Jews, right? Jesus says in Matthew 23, verse 3, he tells these people, he says, you must obey them, meaning the scribes and the Pharisees. You must obey them and do everything they tell you. But here's this huge word, but. He says, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. These are your spiritual leaders, quote unquote. Do not follow them. Do not do what they do. They preach it but they don't practice it, see? Now, folks, there's no question that false teachers do these kinds of things all the time. They're phonies. We know that. But even true teachers, true teachers also need to be careful, okay? James says that for some of them, maybe, maybe you should hold off, right? In James chapter 3, verse 1, not many of you should presume to be teachers. My brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, there's no question, folks, that, that part of that judgment is going to be held responsible for what they teach, right? That's key. Okay? Many teachers have and still are leading people astray. They have a position of influence, and they are misusing, if not abusing, the Word of God. Okay, No question part of that is that judgment. But on the other side, some who inspire to teach may not even be qualified. Even though they may have a a decent knowledge of Scripture, maybe they have friends who tend to listen to them, their life doesn't match up with it. You have no business being a teacher. How can, you teach on, how can you teach on the tongue when you yourself have a foul mouth, for example? And there's many, many things we can say, right? Oh yeah, but I know the scriptures. You don't live it. You can't teach it. And this is Paul's point here, isn't it? This is his point in these verses. Still in verse 21, he says what? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? Now notice he, he doesn't bring up anything uh, subjective here. He doesn't want to give them any wiggle room, if you will. He, he's, he gives an the exact point. You who preach on stealing do you steal? Just straight up. Okay? Now being that he's speaking to Jews here, okay, and not just that, but remember, these are Jews who, verse 18 says, claim to be instructed in the law. Right? I mean, this is straight from the Ten Commandments, right? These Jews, I mean, you know the law. We know the law. We're God's chosen. He gave us his scriptures. They should know this. It's the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. They know that. And by the way, all of these four points that he's going through are actually going to be the very heart of the law. Paul knows that, which is why he's bringing up these points. He can bring up lots of points, but he's using these specifically because they are the heart of the law, which is what they brag about. See? So you're preaching on stealing. Why do you steal? It's right there in your own material. It's kind of, this is kind of like how Paul is saying. You're, you're up there preaching on stealing, but yet why do you steal? It's right there in your own material. Not, not only is it in the Ten Commandments, which is a big to-do, right? I also think of Amos chapter 8, verse 5. Listen to what it says. It says, when will the new moon be over that we can sell grain? When will the Sabbath be ended that we may market our wheat? Now listen, dot, 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 ellipsis. Skimping on the measure, boasting in the pro- boosting the price and cheating with dishonest scales. See? When, when is this going to be over so we can do these things, we can market our wheat while skimping on the measure by having dishonest scales. Do you see what it's getting at? They can't wait to be able to do all this stuff. But they're ripping people off. Here's one that we all know. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. What? What? How do we rob you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Remember, the the Jews had to uh, give one-tenth of what they had three times. It wasn't just one 10% tithe. It was three times they had to do this. And it it was really a tax, by the way. It wasn't a free will giving. It was a tax. They had to pay for everything. Right, they had to pay for all the stuff that was necessary for the temple, the priests, the poor—you name it—they had to pay for all that. Some of them said, "I don't want to give. I want to have like like in today's church. I I want to have everything this church has. I just want somebody else to pay for it." Right. So, in other words, in those two verses, that's stealing, isn't it? Stealing isn't just what I used to call a five-finger discount. You ever used that term before? Some of you older folks. It's not just swiping something and put it in your pocket. Okay? People always try to be sneaky. People always try to justify their actions. Here's one. Hey, where'd you get those post-it notes from? I notice you got a couple packs. I got them from work. Really? My boss buys those things by the tens of thousands. He literally pays like a dime for those. I just took a couple to have at my desk. Since when does stealing have to do with how much it costs? Right? It's, it's only 25 cents. Oh, okay, so stealing is okay as long as it's under 25 cents? We like to justify things, don't we? I'm not saying you're going to hell because you took a paper clip from your job, so don't get me wrong, but it's the justification of things that we do. It's not just thinking I'm going into some store and and ripping off a jacket or a stereo system or whatever it is that you're taking. It's other things that we try to justify, and yet, let's be honest, it's stealing. It doesn't matter what it costs, or it doesn't matter what it costs that person. What if he got it for free? Does that mean you can take it because he got it for free? No. Verse 22. You who say that you should not commit adultery... Do you commit adultery, he says? There's nothing worse than a Bible teacher preaching on sexual purity while quote-unquote meeting with the church secretary because we just need to get things ready for Sunday. All right? When you were a kid, didn't you have a pastor cheating with the choir? Choir instructor. They run off. There you go. Nothing worse than that one, huh? Can you imagine that pastor up there, hammering it home, being faithful to your wife, preaching on sexual purity, blah, 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 and he's hooking up with the choir leader. Nothing worse than that. But once again, folks, just like stealing, this is a plain and simple one for these Jews. It's the law of God, isn't it? It's also part of the Ten Commandments, that's an easy one for these people, right? Exodus 20, verse 14. It's pretty hard to claim ignorance on this. These are clear as day for these people, okay? And so Paul here, he's not just talking about plain old, if you will, adultery. Sneaking around behind your spouse's back, okay? But today, once again, people try to skirt the issue. And they did it back then, too. People today want to try to justify their actions, okay? Some of these people back in the first century, a lot of these Jewish men, they would try to get around this by divorcing their wives and just simply remarrying somebody else. I'm not committing adultery. I just kicked my wife to the curb and hooked up with some other chick. That was the That's what a lot of these Jews would do. But what did Jesus say? She said, yeah, well, you know what? If you divorce your wife for any other reason besides marital unfaithfulness and you marry another, you're committing what? Adultery. That's Matthew 5 and Matthew 19. Got rid of that one, didn't he? Jesus also tried shutting them down on some of this. When you know this, if you look at a woman lustfully, if you will, uh, you dress her down or any other thing you want to throw in there, keep that to yourself. But if you do that, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart, Matthew 5, 28. He's, kind of make, you know, he's, he's getting at these people who are making excuses, who are justifying their actions. I've never physically committed adultery. Oh, yeah, but how many times have you done it in your mind? How many times have you done it according to God's law you just, when you just kicked your wife to the curb and just married her? So now, do you think it's okay? No. People would do a lot of this kind of stuff. Even leaders, even people who know the truth, they try to get around it. Thirdly, still in verse 22, you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Now, this is a, a unique one, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the, some of the thoughts on it, but it kind of, going through this, it kind of reminded me of when I was a new Christian. And I want you to remember those words, new Christian, it's about 35 years ago I was a new Christian I was, I was learning I didn't know a lot of anything but I was learning that there were um, uh, some groups in town who called themselves Christians I was learning this but the Jesus they worshipped wasn't the same Jesus the God they worshipped wasn't the same God their salvation wasn't the same way I get where I'm going with this I'm going that's terrible that's terrible That's horrible. That's rude. That's foul. They're leading people astray. They're liars. And so sadly, I took my truck over, drove up the curb, and did burnouts on their front lawn. Um, I'm not here to say that that was the right thing to do. I'm not uh, bragging about it. I'm just telling you my principle as a young Christian. Remember, I told you to keep that in your mind. This wasn't yesterday, okay? I was a new Christian. But in my mind, they deserved it. They're liars. They're teaching a false gospel. So, and so I did burnouts. Well, back in the day, under the Old Testament times, as you know, Israel struggled with idolatry. For us guys in our studies, we've seen that a lot. Spiritual idolatry, right? Idol worship. They eventually did get a little bit better, by the way. If if, if you go back and look in history, after the return from the exile in Babylon, when they came back, they actually did a little bit better. If you move forward to the first century, when this, of course, was written, many of the Jews actually had a disdain for idols or idolatry. They had kind of flipped the course. They went from hooking up with foreign women and worshiping their gods to now all of a sudden in the beginning of the the New Testament, we hate these idols. We hate the idolatrous part of it. The point Paul is making here is you can't say that you you can't stand idols But yet you you, you rip off some of these idols from the pagan temples and you sell the merchandise for profit. Because this is kind of what would happen. We hate these idols. I don't like them. I don't like what they represent. But you're going to, if you will, break into the pagan temple down the street, take those very idols and sell them off. Okay? Okay? You're rationalizing your actions by claiming, well, but I'm doing this for the Lord, right? Because you see, I'm, I'm actually slowing down or, or maybe even shutting down their worship, right? I'm putting a dent in these false teachers. I'm taking their stuff. It's like burning, burning it down to the ground. Yes, they can't meet anymore. It's kind of having that mindset. Now, I can't tell you how often this happened. We don't know. I will tell you though that it is mentioned in Acts chapter nineteen, verse thirty-seven, and therefore we know that it's not completely uncommon. Okay, especially those for who were hypocritically defending their own actions, just like I did. See, just by I did by saying, but that's what they deserve. To false god, to false temple, to false religion. I did it. They did it almost as if you're doing God a favor. But yet Paul says, you abhor idols, you think they're horrible, but you have no problem taking them and selling them. Really? And they're obviously profiting on it too. But in their mind, yeah, but I got rid of them. They, they might not even be able to meet tomorrow. <laughs> Once again, people do things, see? See? The last question Paul asks here in verse 23, he says, you who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? So here Paul gives kind of a summation of the previous questions. Now I'm sure, trust me, I'm sure Paul could have kept on going with individual issues. Okay, but he stops And he says, the point is this, out of your mouth, you brag about God's law. You brag about possessing it. You brag about knowing it. You brag about teaching it to others. But you're a hypocrite because while you're out there teaching it, you're also breaking it. Just as much as your your arrogance is out there sharing it with everybody behind the scenes, you're breaking it at every turn. There's a sharp contrast in your theology and your practice. That's that's a big problem. Not only, he says, does it it prove them to be a fraud, but worse than that, what does Paul say? He says it dishonors God. It dishonors God. Listen, you can't disassociate God with His law. Okay? You show contempt for his law, you do the same to him. Those are his words, his standards. His law is an expression of himself. He says you you, you dishonor God. Jew or Gentile, folks, it's a terrible thing to live a life of hypocrisy. Nobody likes a hypocrite. Nobody. But when you claim to know God, like these Jews did here, or even worse, for Christians today, blatant sin doesn't just damage your reputation. It smears the character of God. Say, Connecting ourselves with a holy God and doing things that are the worst of the pagans do, he says it's an insult to God. It's an insult to actually tag my name along the side of him. I'm a Christian. It's almost like God went, oh, oh, gee, oh. Because it affects him, not just you. You're a fraud, and what you're hooked to is a fraud. Well, if that wasn't tough enough, Paul then piles on just a little bit more in our final verse, verse 24, and he quotes Isaiah 52, verse 5. I don't think it's a coincidence he quoted the Old Testament because he's speaking to Jews. He says, as it's written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So he went from saying that you are dishonoring God by saying that you have blasphemed him in front of the very people that you're bragging to. Okay? Seth stole my thunder this morning. A couple times, by the way, Seth, that he'll be reprimanded later. But Seth mentioned it this morning that the word blaspheme here, it, it actually comes from the word to Slander it's usually used as blaspheme when it applies to the Lord. It'll pretty much say slander throughout Scripture. When it applies to the Lord, blasphemeo, it's blasphemy. Okay? Now, either word, slander, blasphemy, either way, it's bad. But it's when you have to apply that to a majestic God, it just smacks of mockery. Notice it says, the verse, God's name. God's name. He didn't say each and every Jew's name. He said God's name is blasphemed. What does he say? Because of you. Because of you. Man, those are, those are harsh words right there. Those are something to swallow. God is. His word, the church, are all ridiculed openly. Why would the Gentiles that these Jews claim to be teaching, claim to be instructing, or why would someone, somebody that maybe Christians are witnessing to, why would they desire to turn to faith in Christ? Why would they desire to repent of their sins if we're still living in those very same sins ourselves? You guys have heard it before, but I'll, I'll say it again. It's that point of trying to evangelize, you know, who knows, your friend, your coworker, over and over and over, and your coworker finally stops and says, "Look, it. When I see your redeemed life, then maybe I'll put my trust in your redeemer." That simply says, you keep telling me these great things about this Jesus guy. He saves you, he causes you to be born again, you're a new creation, you're redeemed. I see nothing of that in your life. Why would I trust in your Redeemer? I don't blame them for saying that. I mean, let's be honest. Folks, it's not just you they reject, but it's God himself. The outright hypocrisy. That's one of the number one reasons you find people who say they don't go to church, right? There's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites there. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. It shouldn't just be their only excuse, but there's a lot of truth to that. The non-Christian has enough excuses on their own to reject Christ. They'll just bring up all kinds of excuses why they don't want to come to faith in Christ. Why do people dishonor God in such a way to give them even more excuses? This, this context might not fit you and me exactly, but as you know, the principle does, doesn't it? We might not be Jews. We, not by, we might not be out there teaching the law and thinking we're better than everybody else, but the hypocrisy should strike every one of us, every one of us. And remember, folks, it's not just your own name that you're smearing, but it's God's. I challenge you, as I challenged you earlier, I said I want you to think about this as we go through this sermon today. And that is simply because how easy it is for you and me kind of to do what Paul's doing, but Paul's doing it for a better reason, to pick out the hypocrisy of others, and yet we ourselves are doing the same things. Maybe it's something different, right? Did you see the way he talked to that person while you're over her stealing parts from work? Well, that's not really stealing. They didn't pay anything for it. Oh, okay, right? And here comes the justification. Here comes the excuses, It's a a great reminder to us because this is a very, very plain and simple text. The first four verses say, you claim to be this, right? And we can say a lot. We can say, look, we do claim to be a lot. We are blessed people. In Christ, we have a lot. We wouldn't brag about it, but we have so much. But then it's like, why do you claim so much and yet you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this? I think one of the greatest farces of Christianity, there is none, but I mean as far as the non believer goes, is us. We have all, myself included, we've all failed. We've all we've all made excuses, we've all done things that are hypocritical. And so this is a a great text to simply remind us how easy it is to look at that text historically and go, Wow, look at these Jews, look what they're doing, look what they're saying. And then forget all about ourselves. Right? This is why God's word is always applicable, no matter what. We don't have to be Jews to say, yeah, that can be good to me. So I challenge you today to just look at your own heart. Maybe there, are some, maybe there is something going on in your own mind where you know you're a hypocrite, and you just say, you know what? Starting today, I, I need to start dealing with this. Whatever it may be. But all of us as believers, this is just one out of many areas that we got to say, you know what? I got I to make some changes on because I want to honor God. I don't want to dishonor him. I certainly don't want to blaspheme him among the people that I'm trying to witness to. Right? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this text today. It's, it's, it's certainly very convicting. And, uh, and Lord, it's, uh, it applies, even though in its historical context, it's, not, it's the Jews, but the principle applies to everybody at all times. And it's even more for us today as Christians because we have more understanding, we have more knowledge we have uh, the entire word of God in our, in our grasp. And yet sometimes we do the same thing. Lord, help us to realize our own hypocrisy. Help us, Lord, if, if somebody like Paul, if somebody comes to us in love, and they're not trying to be better than us, but they want to say, hey, you know, I, I saw this and this, and I just want to encourage you to maybe look at that. That we would not be defensive. We would not think we're better. We would not think I don't do that. We wouldn't blame it on somebody else. Well, Lord, that we would just take it and say, you know, maybe there is something I need to work on. It's humbling. It is. It's, which is why we want to make excuses. Well, Lord, help us all here to have that heart and to say, you know what? I don't want to dishonor you. I don't want to slander your name. Hopefully, when people see my life, they will say, wow, there's something different about those people, those Christians. And you'll get the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.